when I went, I also felt like a complete foreigner. This is supposed to be the place where I was found in and lived my first four and a half years, but I don't know the language. I don't know all the traditions. I don't know necessarily like all the ins and outs of, of what it's like. And I definitely felt like an outsider. One time you told me when you were little that you had dreams when we were in Hong Kong and you were studying Chinese and you had dreams that you had to practice and learn your Chinese because one day you were afraid you were going to run into your birth mother and you weren't going to be able to talk to her. Hey, and welcome to I'm Adopted, Now What? a podcast where we talk about all things race, culture, and identity, one chat at a time. This is for people who want to get real, get deep, and figure out, now what? I'm your host, Liza. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for coming back. We have made it to the finale episode of season two. I can't believe it. All of that time went by so quick that we're already at the end. It's just crazy. I have saved a really great conversation for the finale episode today. I have Corey and her mom Deanna joining me for the conversation today. Corey is a Chinese adoptee as well and Deanna is her mom. It is the first mother-daughter duo of this podcast, the first of many, I hope, and it was just such a treat to get to talk to both of them, and I thought that having that extra perspective really, really carried the conversation a long way and added a new dimension to the conversation, so I'm really, really excited to share it with you all today. We go over a few different things. Of course, we talk about Corey's adoption story. Uh, She tells all, she goes into detail about that herself. It's a cool story uh, and involves her living in Hong Kong for a little bit with her family, but that's the only hint you get. You'll have to stay tuned for the rest. And then we move on to some sort of larger uh, adoption topics. I get to ask Deanna a bunch of questions too, which I, and I, you know, I never get to ask those questions because she's the first mom who's been on the show. So, you know, why her and her family chose to adopt and does she have any guilt around taking Corey uh, from her birthland, even if, you know, that was the right thing for, you know, for Corey's quality of life? How does she feel about that and does it weigh on her? I also got to ask Corey how she balances uh, feeling grateful and blessed for the life that she does have with feeling guilty that she's curious about uh, exploring her past and exploring uh, the Chinese part of her culture. And I got to ask both of them a little bit about what it would be like to, you know, meet uh, Corey's birth parents. And, you know, the whole their whole family has already done... Um, a heritage trip in the sense that they go back to the orphanage and visit and kind of see where Corey came from and that is a whole experience in and of itself that I get into and that we get into on the show and there's even more than everything I have already said so I am just gonna wait and let you all hear it for yourselves in just a second uh 
I will close out at the end, but I just wanted to say a quick thank you to everyone who has followed along and listened to the episodes since day one. It has been an amazing, amazing journey, and I've met so many cool and intelligent people along the way, as well as discovering and learning new stuff about myself all the time, as you will know if you tuned in to Monday's bonus episode. So yeah, I'm just full of appreciation and my own gratitude to you guys, the audience, and the interviewees of the show of both seasons and all the seasons to come and all the people who have reached out to me who want to participate and be a part. That support means so much to me and it really is the motivation behind what I do and what keeps me going. So I won't, I'll, you know, I'll save the rest of the mushy stuff for the end. Here is my conversation with Corey and Deanna. Hey everyone, thanks for coming back to the show. Uh, today I am joined by Corey and her mother Deanna. Uh, Corey lives in Virginia and she has for the past five, six years on and off while working for the U.S. Agency for International Development. And during COVID, she's been keeping sane by going on bike rides, running, and taking long walks. Deanna is from North Carolina and by way of Hong Kong, where she usually lives, but she decided to spend her pandemic time here in the States to be closer to the family. She works for ICM, the International Care Ministries, where they work on poverty reduction and What's keeping her sane in COVID is walks on the beach while chatting with friends. And both of them have recently discovered disc golf as a fun, socially distanced activity. Thanks, both of you, for being here and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Uh, Now, I like to ask all of my interviewees kind of to start us off. um, What interested you in participating in this project of mine and why do you think talking about adoption is important? Uh, Corey, why don't you go first? Sure. So my best friend actually shared your podcast through Instagram right around the time that I I just recently celebrated my adoption anniversary. So in early January. And um, I often just really enjoy listening to podcasts, um, especially during quarantine as as it fills up my day. And I will say that this was the first podcast that I've ever heard that just focused on adoption and identity and race. Um, And it just really opened up a lot of different resources and stories I just didn't know and wasn't aware of. Um, But mainly what what drawed me to it was just um, how comfortable and uh, enjoyable each episode has been. Um, I think that you have a real natural gift and talent in really drawing out the best in people, but also just um, allowing people to have that space to to talk about anything they want. And um, I just, it felt like I was in the living room or on the couch catching up with people and hearing, you know, their their excitements, their challenges, their, their frustrations about identity and purpose and adoption. And um, it just, it, it's just a podcast that I just have never, listened to before and 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 so that's what really uh drew me to it 
Thank you so much. That's a huge compliment. The audience can't see right now, but I have a big smile on my face. That means a lot. I'm really glad I make you feel comfortable and easy to talk to. Uh, Deanna, you are Corey's mom, and I want to know what interested you in joining us today and why you think talking about adoption is important. Well, Corey, after she was listening to your podcast for a while, she forwarded a copy of the link to me and I listened and I was equally impressed with your uh, ability to make people feel comfortable and to, to talk about an important issue. And when Corey um, um, told me that she was going to be on the podcast and, and then invited me to be on, I, I wanted to support her in, in her exploration of where she is and just, I'm always... I just want to make sure that she, um, I just want to support her in her journey as she walks toward understanding and, and um, of who she is and the complexities of adoption. And, and just uh, as she gently explores these areas in her life, I just want to be supportive. So that's why. <laughs> that's really awesome. I know that not every adoption story situation has as much support as that. And so I think that's really special. Uh, now, my first kind of general question is, um, Corey, where were you adopted from? And have you always known that you were adopted? Or, you know, Deanna, was there any kind of uh, sit down conversation where you decided to tell Corey she was adopted? You know, how did how did that how did that happen? Yeah, this, <laughs> this is a, a fun story, a slightly complex, but I think also incredibly unique. And um, I was adopted from Changsha, China, uh, in the Hunan province, and I was about four and a half years old, so I was an older adoptee, mm -hmm. uh, and then I was adopted in uh, around 1993. Um, shortly after I was adopted, I lived outside of the Washington, D.C. area because that's where my family you know, lived at the time, but when I was about eight, my family decided to move to Hong Kong. Um, wow because my dad was offered a job there. So I um, was adopted, then lived in you know DC. And those few years after I was adopted were a little bit of a blur, to be honest, because I spoke Mandarin and a few dialects of Chinese and my parents only spoke English. So there was obviously mm. some language barriers, there's adjustments. Um, but I honestly don't remember a whole lot from, from that time. But I do remember moving to Hong Kong and be, you know, and I, and I grew up in Hong Kong from the age of eight to 18. So wow. pretty much my whole formative, you know, school years uh, in, in the expat community, um, surrounded by both um, American and European, Australian, mm -hmm. and, and um, you know, that group of folks, as well as just the, I went to an international school, an American international school where, you know, everyone was very diverse. We had students from all over. And so, um, I just, I think a lot about kind of my origins and then growing up in the, in the, in the American family and the American culture, but mm -hmm. then also growing up in the Hong Kong culture yeah. with a very diverse group of people in the expat community. So, um, I think I knew pretty early on that I was, I was adopted in the sense that like my, my parents, my, my, I have two brothers who are mm -hmm. also, um, not adopted they're they're um and so I, I just think early on i knew that i looked physically different mm -hmm. but i never felt physically i just never felt different um yeah. and i think that's just again 
a testament of how my family just loved and embraced me for all of who I am. Um, but I will say that culturally, I have been very confused at times. So just like, am I, I don't pass as, um, as white, but I also don't feel like I'm fully Chinese in some ways. And, and I know that I've always felt guilty, like taking Chinese classes, you know, when I was a student and not feeling like I was just embarrassed because people assumed that I, could, I was fluent and, and there was a time when I was fluent, but you know, when I learned English, I completely lost all the acquisition of, of Mandarin. And so um, I just think there's a lot of kind of complexities, but unique kind of experience of, of being raised in Hong Kong and adopted, but also surrounded in an expat community and in an American culture. Uh, and so it, it, I can't always quite pinpoint it. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is that is totally a unique story. I <laughs> wow, I'm well, I'm speechless. Um, Deanna, did you have um, you know concerns or or um, were you worried about Corey being adopted from China and that by you know a white American family and then living in China and how, how did you what did you think was going to happen? Well, when we, when my husband and I heard that and I got, were, were first dating, we were, um, not first dating, when we were nearing the end of our dating and about mm -hmm. to get engaged, we were talking about our families and what we, you know, what, how many children we only had and, and that sort of thing. And, and um, we both, um, we both had a desire in our heart to have biological children, but also to adopt. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so it, for us, it was the natural way to raise a family. So after we had the two boys, we, um, and we started the pr process of adoption for the third one. And that was just the natural way our family was, was going to grow. And mm -hmm. so, um, uh, and adoption from China was the, um, uh, perfect for us because we didn't want to, um, adopt from a, um, we didn't want to take a child away from someone who, um, had to get on a wait list to, mm -hmm. to adopt. And, you know, we didn't want that because we didn't have our children. We didn't want to cause anyone else to have to wait. And mm -hmm. um, so we were, uh, so when China opened up for adoption, which was very shortly after we had started the adoption mm -hmm. process, mm -hmm. um, we were very excited about that because there were so many children that needed to be adopted and that were available. And so, and I have always had a, um, um, interest in Asia. And mm -hmm. I, I've always just found China to be the Chinese people to be just a beautiful people as, mm -hmm. a, as um, just, just beautiful. And, um, yeah. and so it was really, that just was the perfect answer to, to be able to adopt from China. So when we did do the adoption, we ended up, we were living in Maryland and there was a whole community of people that um, were having babies in our neighborhood and, and two or three of them actually did adoption from Asia and, mm. um, at the same time. And so we had a community, even in Southern Maryland, of people that were from Asia. Mm -hmm. And um, when we ended up going overseas to um, Hong Kong about five years later, it was, part of it was that we really wanted the whole family to have that experience of Asia, not just mm -hmm. Corey. Mm -hmm. And it was taking her back to her roots, but it was also the whole family embracing who yeah. we were as a family, not just her. Yeah. Away. Wow. Corey, do you feel like, uh, you know, the whole idea of going back to China 
and going back to your roots, as your mom just said, do you feel like that is, is referencing more, you know, your roots of, uh, as you said, your formative years of eight to 18, or do you feel like there's some type of, of more ancestral connection in terms of, you know, that's where your DNA is from and where your birth parents are from. And I'm wondering if you do feel like it is a more ancestral connection, um, has, have you always felt that way? Or is that something that has come with age and time? That's a great question. Um, I definitely feel like it's come with more age and time. The other kind of, and maybe it, maybe I'm ill-informed in this, but I, I feel like Hong Kong as a city Mm-hmm. also is very different from mainland China. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, which added another layer of just kind of figuring out who I was in terms of my origins, as well as mm-hmm. growing up in a, a, a very just remarkably d- different type of lifestyle in, in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have always had a lot of pride in, in my origin and I've always um, been very... It, it's weird because I, 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 I think I carry a lot of guilt in terms of not knowing enough about my origins and mm. especially like my, the Chinese like traditions and the, mm-hmm. the history and the, and the ancestral part of that. Um, but the other thing is I haven't always been curious. Um, I think I've, yeah. I've been pretty um, content uh, with, with my life and um, I, and I think now as I'm, as I'm older and, and I'm, I'm, exploring more of my about my identity and, and just recognizing a lot of resources out there you know I mean I think I think you mentioned it in one of the um, other podcast episodes where you know so many interview, so many adoptees are now of coming of age and, and adults and you know mm-hmm. books are being written and and um, they're being connected through social media and there are you know movies about it now and, and more podcasts about it and so Think, you know, I just think that the voices of adoptees are being amplified more as the you know technology has advanced. Um, I, I think that uh, I think I'm still just trying to figure out my identity in a lot of ways, um, mm-hmm. and I and I I feel more American mm-hmm. and you know than I do Chinese, but mm-hmm. I, I take a lot of pride in, in wanting to to be an ambassador and to and to represent like my homeland and where I came from. Mm. Um, we had a really fortunate opportunity, actually, when I lived in Hong Kong, to go back to my to go back to the orphanage. Um, wow! So uh, my whole family went with me when I was 14, 15 years old. So about mm-hmm. 10 years after I was adopted, and um, I got to meet my teacher that was there, who wow. um, was just so happy to see me. And um, what really struck me, though, was I I got to um, see some of the same orphans that were there when I was there. Wow. I think at the time when I was 14 and 15, um, I I, I suspect as an awkward teenager, I I deflected a lot of my emotions. Mm -hmm. I suppressed them. I tried to act, you know, like nothing was, you know, too much of a bother, but that, that interacting with, with some of those, um, those orphans. And, and the unique thing is that um, I, when I was, put in the orphanage, I had a, a birthmark. I had like a, a birth defect, which I think was one of the reasons why I most likely was um, 
put into an orphanage mm -hmm. uh, one because I'm, I was a girl but two because I, I had a birth defect and I think I suspect that that was one of the reasons why and so a lot of the orphans that were still in the orphanage have special needs have mm. disabilities and um, so just to just to still see them there 10 years later that was a really really hard um, yeah. thing to kind of process and I'm still and, and I still have that guilt um, and uh, I just it it leaves you just feeling a lot of emotions of, you know, feeling incredibly, feeling incredibly lucky, but mm -hmm. also incredibly guilty, you know, and, and, and it's, it's both and, you know, and yeah. it can exist in that. But um, I think that when I went to Changsha, the city, I also felt like a complete foreigner, you know, like this is supposed to be the place where I was found and, and lived my first four and a half years, but I don't know the language. I don't know all the traditions. I don't know necessarily like all the the mm -hmm. nuances and the ins and outs of, of what it's like. And I definitely felt like an outsider, you know, yeah. and, and I think that sometimes as an adoptee, you kind of feel like an outsider wh wherever you are because you don't fully fit in, whether it be physically by appearance or you don't fully fit in because you don't necessarily know all of the nuances of the culture and the nuances of the lifestyle there. And so, um, Corey, one time you told me when you were little that you you had um, dreams that when we were in Hong Kong and you were studying Chinese and you had dreams that you had to practice and learn your Chinese because one day you were afraid you were going to run into your mother and your birth mother and you weren't going to be able to talk to her. And wow. so you were really motivated to to study hard. Yeah. Wow. That's, and this is one of the reasons why I have my mom on the show because I have the work. <laughs> memory um and uh i just i i and um that's just I, again i think I, I live with a lot of of feelings of just guilt but also like incredibly lucky and yeah and i think that has motivated a lot of of what i do now and, and wanting to give back and trying to be a steward of my voice and just you know trying to amplify like adoption or amplify um the good that people are doing out there. Yeah, definitely. Wow, what a cool anecdote uh, to be able to share. That's so, so cool. I wanna uh, talk about the idea of birth family in a second, but first I, you know, you've mentioned, Corey, you have mentioned, as you said, feeling at the same time guilty and also lucky. Deanna, how does hearing that make you feel as her mom? Uh, and also as uh, the the adoptive parent, you know, I'm wondering, does that do you feel partly responsible? You know, how do you, how do you how do you feel about hearing Corey's process? Well, that's a good question. I think that um, any way you look at it, adoption is complicated. It's not mm -hmm. it's not just a fairy tale. Let's everybody adopt, and we all live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. it's, complicated and it's more complicated than than a uh, biological birth would be yeah and so um i feel incredibly blessed to have uh been Corey's adoptive mom mm -hmm. i feel incredibly blessed by um how much joy and how much of a better person i am as a result of her being in our family mm -hmm. and how much she's changed me in the process yeah um do I feel guilty because she's not with her mom, her birth mom? Um, 
No, I don't think I do. I do wish that she could have a relationship with her. If mm-hmm. she wants to do that ever, I think that that is something I would wholeheartedly encourage her to do. And I asked to go with her if she would let me come. Um, I think that that we, I, I think it's, um, but it's complicated. It's, it's complicated. When we took her back to the orphanage, we took the whole family back to the orphanage. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the right time to do it in, in some ways, but in many ways I felt, I realized while we were there that it was probably pre- premature to go back then. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. wasn't really ready to, but we were aware that the orphanage was actually being, the physical building was being destroyed and or they, they were gonna tear it down. And if we didn't go then, we were mm-hmm. going to, uh, we were not going to be able to um, go at a later time. And mm-hmm. so, um, but it was hard for her and I could see it was hard for her when she was there. Yeah. And, um, but I think that, that that's a part of being an adopted child is you have to process those things. Yeah. And it's, it's a good process. It's a hard process, but it's a good process. And I, I think that that whether it happens when you're 14 or whether it happens when you're 30, I think it's good to happen. And and um, so yes, I feel I feel good. I mean, I'm yeah. I feel incredibly. I definitely would do it all again if I did yeah. do it. But at the same time, I recognize that, especially for her or any adopted child, that it's complex. And I don't take that personally. And I don't, you know, it it's what it is. And yeah. It's, um, it's a good thing to go through those and ask those questions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can I can see that you are both close. Um, I have to say, it hasn't always been this way. When, oh. when Corey first came, um, she was four and a half years old. And I, um, I had two biological boys and I mm-hmm. was a mother, full-time mom. And I thought I was a pretty good mom. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. But when Corey came, she was, um, she was, a little stranger that came into my house and I couldn't talk to her because she spoke another language and she couldn't talk to me. And so there was a lot of negotiating about just in communication. And she was already a fully formed personality that I didn't have anything to do with developing. And yet I sort of felt like because she was now my daughter, I was responsible for her behavior and she Mm -hmm. needed to be doing certain things and not doing certain things. And and it just, it was, uh, there was a lot of challenge in that time. And yeah. she had never attached to anybody emotionally yeah. before, except that teacher she met at the orphanage. That's who she had attached to. And she, we had to learn to communicate and we had to learn, she didn't know how to hug. I had to teach her to hug yeah. back <laughs> and she didn't know how to, um, um, Anyway, the whole thing, it was, it was harder than I thought it was going to be. And yeah. I, I ended up going to counseling to help me to process, how do I do this better? Yeah. And why am I having such a hard time with it? And why am I getting angry? And, and, right. and it was really, really helpful to me to, to take the, uh, the uh, pressure off myself to be the perfect mom and to yeah. just live through the reality of what we had. And I think that that really helped our relationship. And as she's gotten older and, and, certainly past the, the teen years, <laughs> she has, uh, we really, really grown closer. And so that's been a real special um, treat. Yeah. Wow. I'm glad you shared that. I, um, I, my mom is a therapist. So uh, 
she has been telling me the importance of therapy my whole life. Um, <laughs> but I don't think, I, th I don't think it's something that's talked about enough how hard it can be, um, especially in an older adoption adoptee, um, where you're right, we are, we the adoptees are not really taught how to express our needs. And, you know, uh, we're, we're, we have self-reliance driven into us by, mm -hmm. by the environment and by circumstance. Um, and it can be tough on both ends, especially, I mean, goes without saying with a language barrier, but, um, even if, even if Corey, even if you did speak English or Deanna, even if you did speak Mandarin at that time, I still think it would have been just as hard because there's, mm -hmm. there's no trust. And as, as you said, Deanna, there's anger and you don't know why and frustration. And so I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Corey's first words was, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Her first um, English word. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Corey, do you remember any of this? I mean, I know four and a half is really early, but. I, man, I think the earliest I honestly remember was when we lived in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's the other kind of weird thing. And it's not because I'm uncomfortable, but, you know, when I look at pictures and my, my parents did such a great job documenting the whole experience mm -hmm. and even just watching the videos of, of when I was adopted, um, I sometimes feel like I, it's just an outer body of experience. Like, wait, that's me that happened. Um, yeah. and so I don't know if that's like projections from trauma or something like that, where I've just mm -hmm. completely blocked off the memories, but, um, I, I mean, I don't remember a lot of, of living in the orphanage or living outside of DC, at least yeah. the first few years. And so, um, I, I, yeah, I just, um, which is unfortunate, but I, you know, at the same time, I, um, I, I just, I'm glad that there's a lot of pictures and documentation of it too. Yeah, totally. I'm sure there's lots of photo albums and things. Yeah. <laughs> Tons um, of them, yeah. Talking about bringing up your birth family, going to the orphanage, um, I think every adoptee kind of grapples at some point in their identity journey with the with the 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 idea of meeting your birth family or finding them or searching for them. How has that been for you? Is that something you've wondered or been completely disinterested in? And you know, Deanna, you've mentioned, you know, you'd want to go, go with her, which I think is really sweet. Um, and for both of you, I guess, equally from different perspectives, how do you handle the wondering of it all? You know, the, the wondering, oh, you know, why was Corey abandoned or uh, under what circumstance? Deanna, maybe you know a little bit about her, uh, the situation with Corey before you adopted her, but um, I'm just interested in, in both of your thoughts on that. We don't think, know a lot. I'll, I'll let you you tell it, Corey. Yeah, no, I I I, um, I would I would be lying if I didn't think about it. You know, think about wanting think about just wanting to know what happened. You know, and yeah. and, and um, I I think I've gone through definitely a, a lot of phases of it, of being disinterested or just like not thinking about it versus mm -hmm. oh I watched a movie and holy cow like I, I watched Lion that came out in 2016. Have you seen that movie? It's no. Um, it's based on a true story about this, about this boy who was adopted from India 
and eventually through Google Maps is able to find his, you know, biological family. Wow. Um, and it's with De Dev Patel and Nicole Kidman. But I remember watching mm -hmm. that movie and just being completely uh, just moved by it. And mm -hmm. um, it's definitely a movie about just unconditional love of, of searching and, and wrestling with your identity. Um, and I, I think that I definitely went through phases of, oh, I just wasn't wanted. You know, mm -hmm. I had this birth deform. I had, like, I wasn't, I wasn't born perfectly, you know, mm -hmm. and you definitely go through that path of like, I was, I wasn't wanted I was abandoned. And you kind of, you know, imagine the worst case scenarios. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I've also have, have gone through seasons where like, no, that's not the case. We beat that. It's, it's, you know, there's so many situations and um, the one child policy, um, you know, just the, the social, the social like stigma of, of girls versus boys in China. There's just mm -hmm. so many, un there's just so many various um, factors that you just can't, you can't, you know, let that dominate, you, you know, your mind. And um, there was this one particular scene in Lion that mm -hmm. really just moved me, that made me kind of see things a little bit differently, which was, you know, the adoptee was talking to his mother and said, I know you couldn't have kids and that's why you adopted me. And the mother was like, no, I could have kids, but I chose not to. And I chose, I chose you. I, I, I chose you because I wanted you and mm -hmm. I've always wanted you. And I think watching that scene and i highly recommend just like youtubing lion nicole came in dev patel scene you'll see it there but i think having watched that scene in particular i don't know what it was but it just something clicked in me that was like holy cow i was chosen mm -hmm. um i i feel chosen i feel incredibly lucky um like i i i, I definitely like just I some like the narrative changed for me somehow um yeah. where it wasn't just like the narrative of feeling abandoned but it was the narrative like I I am chosen and 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 that's okay um but I think especially in the past year or two um I have definitely wanted to learn more about uh, my my heritage mm -hmm. uh, where I came from my birth family my birth mm -hmm. parents um mm -hmm. I think watching One Child Nation um yeah. in that documentary was incredibly hard um incredibly eye-opening um a lot of documentaries that are about you know twins you know just reckon you know um mm -hmm. and i just think watching all these different documentaries and listening to different podcasts and just of of even one the, the of of matt who you interviewed who mm -hmm. was able to like meet his family and um i always just thought it was impossible because there was yeah. no, no information about it but obviously with DNA testing, with the Research China, you know, organization, mm -hmm. um, it gives me a lot more hope um, mm -hmm. that, you know, yeah, with, tech, with the advancement of technology and with DNA testing, you know, it would be incredibly interesting. And um, so I just, I, I have, in, especially in the, just in the past year or two, I've, I've been more interested. Um, but I think I, I was also like hesitant because I never wanted to feel like for me, it was like I have always felt a deep gratitude towards my life, and yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to signal like, oh, I want to search my family as like a way of 
offending my 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 mom and my dad and my brothers I like I don't think they would ever assume that but I just it was a weird thing that I was juggling in my head of like I'm interested in this and it has nothing to do with you in terms of like hurting your feelings um you wouldn't have hurt my feelings I'm sorry (laughs) you felt like that (laughs) yeah but um I just I I I you know, just even recently, I was looking at um, Ancestry.com and, and mm-hmm. figuring out like, okay, let's, let's, let's actually like, get the ball rolling and, and stop mm-hmm. with the laziness and just like, you know, I think there could be answers out there. Yeah. And even through your podcast, I, I learned about the, the subtle, Asi- subtle adoption trait. Mm-hmm. The subtle Asian adoptee traits group. Yeah. Which I literally just joined like two days ago because I had oh, no awesome. idea about it. And now it's like, holy moly, there's so many people that, you know, have very similar interests or frustration throughout the day or throughout you know their season and so mm-hmm. um I just think I was kind of like I just didn't know I didn't know that existed out there until I started to go down the rabbit holes and exploring the different avenues for which there is a platform for adoption yeah Deanna did um, your the other the yeah. other sorry I sorry my internet's a little choppy I was gonna say like the other unique thing about my adoption was um, my fam, my parents adopted me with a group of people that came together. Yeah. So um, that group of people adopted um, as well. Most of them were infants, but there's been a group of us of adoptees from Changsha, China, who adopted the same day um, from the same orphanage, and my family has stayed connected with the other parents. You know, and. Um, Granted, they all grew up in California and San Francisco, and they're all a lot closer than me. But I think um, I've I've connected to a few of them. Um, and the most this most recent adoption anniversary, we all actually had a Zoom call together. Mm. Um, and it's just there was like solidarity in it. There's just definitely wow, like I'm not alone. There are a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but there's like a group that I know that even though we're not super close. Like I know where you you came from the same place I did, and you're growing up in the same kind of experience that may be different because every adoption is unique and different. But you know, um, that's why it was just it was so exciting that when you had interviewed Christy and she was also adopted from Changsha, I was like, "What orphanage were you adopted from?" Like, look, I don't. It's just it's. I think there's just a lot of like, oh my goodness, our world is a lot smaller than than you know. Sometimes I, uh, uh, you know, think and so. Anyways, sorry, mom. We, it was your turn to share. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I'm well. I selfishly am glad that I'm bringing other adoptees together. That's so cool. Um, and but no, I totally agree with you. There is it. You said it really well. There is solidarity in in the adoptee community, and it's reassuring to know that it's out there. Um, I was just going to ask Deanna. Did you did you feel like were you worried about your sons because they are biologically, you know, from you and your husband, um, accepting or rejecting Corey as their sister, or did you not, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they're like you, so I don't know if you <laughs> knew there was going to be a problem or not, but. Well, they were three and five when we adopted Corey and okay. the process took a long time because yeah. it was, uh, that, Corey was is one of the oldest living uh, adoptees from China. Yeah. Because when we adopted her, it was just a year after China opened up, and she mm-hmm. was four and a half years old. So she's very old for an adoptee. And um, yeah. Um, the when when during our adoption is that when they actually um they 
we had her picture, we were ready to go get her and they put a ban, China put a ban on all adoptions for a year mm-hmm. while they centralized the, um, the processes of, uh, of the adoptions in, through the legal system. Mm-hmm. And so we were in a, in a long wait of a year while we were, had her picture ready to go, but we couldn't go and didn't know if they ever were gonna open up again. And right. during that whole year, we had her picture and me and the boys and, and dad would all pray for her every night. We would send her gifts. We would, um, it was, we were waiting for her to come and they yeah. all knew she was going to come and she had a bedroom and they all, you know, she was ready. And when she came, it was, they were prepared and they were ready. And it was, it was just what was normal for our, our life. Um, yeah. I, there was a lot of adjustments to having sure. someone new in the, in the family. And um, Corey was, um, she was a little mom and liked to um, be in charge <laughs> of those that she was hanging with. And they had to get used to that. <laughs> and, um, but, but it went well, it was, it was good. And I, I think that, that um, each, her relationship with each of the, her brothers is different, but mm-hmm. I think that there's a real um, respect among all of them. And I think that they, I, I'm really pleased with their relationships with each other, even now into adulthood. So, mm. um, so yeah, it was okay. That's, that's really beautiful. I don't have any siblings. So that that's from where I'm at. That's really awesome. I always wished I had siblings <laughs> moving. I was really, gl- I was really yeah. glad too, that when Corey went back to the orphanage, the boys got to go too. Yeah, and they got mm-hmm. to meet and and the teacher and and meet the um the other kids that were at the orphanage and I think yeah. that that has been uh, really influential and the whole adoption process has been something that's very much embraced um, not just in our lives but it, in our larger family as well. Yeah, and, I, um, and so I think that's been been a, a great experience for the the boys. Yeah, I can't imagine what kind of um, bonding experience that must have been like that as a family. Wow. Um, what do you, what are both of your responses when people who don't know your family ask you about your family? Oh, it definitely. I, I, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was going to just say, it just definitely depends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I was in my teenage years, I was very private about it. Um, I didn't really talk about it, but it was also anytime anyone asked me where I was from and I said, Hong Kong, I would get the kind of interesting, you know, oh, well, you speak really good English for being mm. from Hong Kong, mm. as opposed to being like, if I was, it was just like, a, it was a weird, you know, I know that some people are like, oh, where are you really from? But for me, it was like, in, immediately after I said that I was from Hong Kong, when I was in the US for like summers or whatnot, you know, going to different camps or talking to different people, they will always say, especially my first year in college too, they'd be like, oh, your English is so good for mm-hmm. me in Hong Kong. And then I, I was, then it's like, do I explain that I, I went to an international school? Do I explain that I was raised in the expat community? Do I like then eventually explain that I was adopted? And so like, it just depends on the day, I, you know, how I felt. And, you mm-hmm. know, if, if I felt like the, the people were actually genuinely interested in it. Um, sometimes, you know, even just going to a restaurant, it's like, oh, a table for four, a table for five, because they would see me and they weren't entirely sure if I was with the family or not. Mm-hmm. There's been like, there have been instances of that where that happened when I was younger and it made me feel like, Ooh, that, that was weird. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I think that, um, what I have been in my more recently have just really t- taken a lot of pride in it and just embraced my, embrace my story, embrace yeah. my identity. And, um, 
you know, if people genuinely want to know and they're, and are curious and, and want to learn, then of course I want to, you know, share my experience to the best that I can. And, and, um, but I think, I mean, I'm, I'm 31. It took me, you know, 28 years to get to that place, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I, and I think that I, uh, I just, I so, you know, and, um, I, I just feel fortunate. I, I have a lot of family and, and family friends and friends who are interested in adoption or want to learn more about it. Or mm-hmm. I have friends who are adopted too, or family friends who are adopted. So I think I've just have really embraced that it's, it's, it is an element of who I am, but it's not all of, of who I am. Yeah. That was well said. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Deanna? Um, for us, it was the, nor- you know, like I said earlier, it's the normal way our family was going to grow is yeah. through biological and, and adoption. And it's just always been normal. So when people ask how many kids you have, like Corey, like anybody, you sometimes say, I just have three. But mm-hmm. if you want to go deeper and be more vulnerable, you say, I have two biological boys. And then mm-hmm. we adopted Corey and she's right in the middle. And, and you know, it's just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Um. Awesome. Well, just to kind of, I'm, I'm done with my list of questions, uh, just to kind of round us out here. So Corey, uh, or I guess I'll ask Deanna first and then I'll, I'll end with asking you, Corey, um, Deanna, do you feel like it's an important part of your identity being an adoptive mother, uh, as opposed to just mom, you know, do you, how do you, is that, is that something that you feel like is an important part of your own identity? I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question before. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, but I don't, it is because it is a part of, of what has made me who I am. Yeah. It is, um, and I can't imagine um, having not adopted and not had Corey in our life I don't um we're in we've lived life with a lot of people that have adopted Mm -hmm. a lot of close friends very close friends have adoptive have Chinese kids in particular in our family and so it's just been very normal some of my friends have been very um very strong advocates of adoption and and get involved in the um the community and that sort of thing I've done that in certain phases of our life. Um, mm-hmm. When we first moved to China, I mean to Hong Kong, I was very much involved with Corey's orphanage and with the um, oh, with cool. a uh, ministry that was helping with special needs kids at that mm-hmm. orphanage, and and we were engaged with them for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but you go through different phases of life, and sometimes it's a bigger part of your life than others. And yeah. so, um, so I would say yes, and 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 no. It's just it's just normal. It's just yeah. not. Um, it is, it is what's made me who I am, but it's also, uh, just part of my normal. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a part, but it's, it's not the whole thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever asked anyone that question before. So there you go. Um, Corey, the same to you, except my question is, where are you in your identity today? You know, how would you describe yourself right now in the present as, you know, in terms of who you are? 
<laughs> Man, I feel like this is a very existential question here. Um, you know, uh, I think in quarantine, we've had a lot of time to just reflect and be introspective and find distractions through the screen. And um, I think uh, I can't I can't say anything too eloquent about this, but our experiences shape who we are. And um, I can't erase the experience that I am adopted. And, you know, I think the more that I learn from different documentaries and books and storytelling and podcasts and social media groups, the more that I'm realizing that, you know, everyone has very unique experiences and some of them are great and some of them are really heartbreaking and Mm -hmm. it's just a spectrum. And it's very easy for me to compare myself or compare my experience to someone who may have not be as fortunate to have a, a loving family or not, you know, fortunate to, to grow up in a, in a harder environment. And so um, I think I, I try to take every experience that I, I have, be it, you know, a newlywed, um, be it, you know, a, a Chinese born American adoptee who's trying to figure out what it means to be American and what it means to be Chinese during a, a pandemic that, you know, I think there's just, there's a lot of just, it could be very easy to label and put myself in these different kind of categories and boxes. Um, mm. But I just try to let my experiences teach me how to grow and teach me how to be um, just aware of, of of, of where I am in my life and, and how fortunate and blessed I feel in many ways, but also mm-hmm. being a steward of just my story and the steward of, of the resources I've been given to, to be good to others, to be kind to others, to love others. And so it's just, I, I'm happy that I've had more time to like, think about these things and, and to explore, um, you know, issues that have been, you know, especially with the Black Lives Movement and mm-hmm. uptick of, of, of hate crimes because of COVID. And so mm-hmm. I just, these are areas in which you just don't know until you know, and you read different stories and you're like, wow, I want to, I want to learn more. I want to connect yeah. more. I want to know how I can be someone that's informed and also someone that can be an ally and an advocate in, you know, in whatever capacity I can be. And so um, I think adoption is, for me is an amazing expression of unconditional love. You know, I know mm. that's not always the situation for everyone, but for me, that's how I see adoption. And, and I want to be someone that can share that, you know, and, and it hasn't always been easy, you know, like you definitely have those insecurities and, and the doubts and, and the hard, dark, you know, thoughts that can, that can come creep up in your mind. But mm-hmm. I think that um, I've just have grown a lot from, 31 years of, of living on this earth and just figuring things out day by day. And some mm-hmm. days are great and some days are really hard. And so, um, but I feel incredibly lucky to have amazing brothers and parents that, you know, can laugh at my stupid jokes and, and, <laughs> and also be with me when I have those hard questions. And so, yeah. um, I don't know. I just feel very uh, fulfilled. I, I guess. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. That's really sweet. I, 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 I often say that, um, or I like to think at least, you know, it's a process, you know, you're processing, I'm processing, adoptees are doing all this processing. And I feel like as long as we're processing, we're making progress, you know, towards 
no, like it's not defined the end or, you know, what it is we're progressing towards, but it's just progress for the sake of progress. And I find a lot of comfort in that because then I feel like it's the processing that's really the important part. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again, both for your time and for being willing to just get super personal with a complete stranger. (laughs) I know that that's something we're all kind of getting a little more used to in COVID, I guess, but I really appreciate it and the support in, in my podcast from both of you. Well, thank you for what you're doing. I think you're, you're really raising awareness and, and inviting the conversation. And I think that that has been that in and of itself is is something that you should be proud of and that something that uh, many people will really, really benefit from, both moms and daughters. <laughs> and uh, Corey, I'm very proud of you. Thank you for inviting me to be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. I'm proud of you too. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. And thanks again to Corey and her mom, Deanna. Thanks for having us. And uh, (laughs) we look forward to continuing to listen to your podcast and and supporting you and uh, keep up, you know, doing awesome things you're doing. Bye. Bye. Ah, wow. Holy cow. Okay. That is a wrap on season two. I can't believe it. That went by so fast. I know I mentioned this at the top of the episode, so I'm going to try not to repeat myself and get too mushy, but I am just full of gratitude and appreciation for everyone who has supported me, whether we've talked once or we talk every day. One of my favorite things about this entire like podcasting experience is when I get random messages on social media from people who have found my podcast somehow and feel like they can resonate uh, with something that they heard or relate to another person who is featured on the show. I love reading messages that tell me they really discovered a part of themselves or they could really relate to this one certain part or they thought they were alone in this feeling, but they actually aren't. And wow, what a relief. Those are the best kinds of messages to get. And it just is more fuel for me to continue doing what I'm doing, uh, which if I'm being honest, is totally still new to me too. Uh, And as I like to say in my bonus episodes, I am going through all of this and processing and finding my own identity in real time alongside all of you, alongside all the guests and listeners. And you don't have to be adopted, of course, to understand what that experience is like. You know, we're all just living our lives and adopted or not, I'm sure that, or I hope at least, you have been able to find common ground on this show. It will be the very last week in June when this episode airs. So I hope that you all are enjoying or about to be enjoying your summer. Uh, if you live where it's hot, of course. Otherwise, you're, you might be transitioning into winter. In which case, I hope that you also have a great winter season. Just like last season, 
we will be taking a short break, a short hiatus, so that we can relax for a minute and regroup and try and work on some more creative changes for season three and more seasons to come, how we can grow and scale and continue to make this show better. So one last time, just the biggest thank you to everyone who is a part of I'm Adopted, Now What? We will see you in a few weeks. Thanks for listening to this episode of I'm Adopted, Now What? Hosted by me, Liza. If you liked what you heard, then please be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Leave a good review and share this episode with a friend. If there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on a later episode, DM me and tell me all about it. You can do that and find this podcast on Instagram and Facebook at imadopted.podcast. See you there.